prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that they, for the work of the ministry so that they can perfect the saints to do the work of the ministry, which will edify and build up the body of Christ. Let's receive the ministry gift today of Minister Michael Keith. Linked Up Church, can we welcome him in a big way today? Hallelujah. It is good to be here in the house of God this morning. You know, there's lots of places we could be, but we chose to be in the house of God. Amen. That means there's something in your heart that connects with God's heart. You want to be in his fellowship. We gather, what? In his name. Amen. To have fellowship with the Lord. He may not be literally here in body physically, but he's here in spirit ministering to us this morning and I guarantee you every single one of you will not leave here the way you came well you'll come out of here with some more anointing some more wisdom some more goodness of God amen your life will be changed because of what the Lord is doing this morning in this place I want to first of all um, thank Pastor Gregory and his lovely wife for giving me the opportunity to come and speak to you I see a lot of familiar faces here this morning amen and those of you that I I don't know. Hopefully, I'll rub off on you and you'll like me. Amen. Praise God. I love God. I love God's people. And I love speaking the word. Amen. Would you just touch and agree with me in prayer for a moment? Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to gather in your name today. We believe, Lord God, for you to anoint me to speak your word. Lord God, we thank you for for your your presence here today that's already here and that's moving about in this building, moving about in lives here. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for what you do here today, Father. We ask it by faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. And if you would, you can open up to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. The title of today's message is Jesus, the Real Messiah. Jesus, the Real Messiah. How many knows if there's a real, there's some fakes? Amen? Amen. So we know, uh, just checking history, and I I brought some of the information today for you, but uh, just checking history, I, I found there were five false messiahs before Jesus. Amen. They claimed to be the one. Amen. And then in history, there's over 30 that try to be the one, (laughs) the Messiah after Jesus. There are a lot of crazy people out here in the world. Amen. (laughs) But how many know it was the devil? For every fake the devil tried to produce, there was a real thing. Amen. Jesus is the real thing. Praise God. He's the real Messiah. So let's take a look at um, Zechariah 9.9 real quick. It says here, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having what? Salvation. Amen. Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. So we see here in scripture a word. Amen. A futuristic word was brought forth in Zechariah that Jesus would come into the city this certain way. Amen. That he would ride in upon a colt, 
Glory to God. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. I want to go back to the, the false messiahs for a minute. Okay. Um, there was in Egypt, 300 B.C., Horus of Egypt. He had 12 disciples. He, called, he was called the truth, the light, the good shepherd. And uh, he was supposedly born of a virgin. How many knows that's a pretty close copy, isn't it? But he didn't fit the bill of Zechariah 9.9. He never rode in on a colt. Uh, uh, on a colt into the city as the scripture promised. Then there was uh, Dionysus of Greece, 500 B.C. Um, he was a traveling teacher who performed miracles. He was, I mean, it was the devil can perform stuff that looks real, amen? He was um, referred to as Alpha and Omega, King of Kings, and supposedly he was born of a virgin. ha, <laughs> ha. Glory to God. A lot of fakeness in the world. Okay, then uh, we have uh, in India, 900 B.C., Krishna of India. There was a star in the east, supposedly, that signaled his coming. (laughs) He performed miracles uh, with his disciples. Then there's uh, 1200 B.C. in Greece, Addis of Greece, supposedly born on December 25th, born of a virgin, was placed in a tomb three days, supposedly, and was resurrected. Come on now. <laughs> they stole him out of that tomb. <laughs> they make that story true. We know that didn't happen. But you see, you know, for every time there's a real thing, there's going to be a counterfeit. Always something to try to sidetrack people, to deceive. I mean, the devil's a deceiver. Try to deceive. So we see this went on before Jesus, and like I said earlier, it also went on after. There's over 30 false messiahs. They try to say they were the one. But Jesus is the only one that fit the Zechariah 9-9 bill. Now, let me just stop for a minute here. Anybody who's a farmer and goes back any length of time and knows anything about donkeys will know that you cannot just take a colt away from its mother. Amen. You can't do it. What will happen if you try to take that colt away? It's going to scream and holler and run right back to its mother. That's what's going to happen, amen? So you can't. Now, um, in the Gospels, we have four versions of this event. And Matthew st- speaks of two. He speaks of an, an ass and a colt. The rest of them just speak of a colt. Now, people have actually made a debate over this and decided they weren't going to believe over this issue because the Bible, the, the Scripture doesn't confirm itself. Well, actually, it does. The only thing that happened, we'll read it in a minute, is Matthew was more specific about what went on that day. He mentioned the ass and the colt, and the others just mentioned the colt. Come on, come on, you know that. We tell a story, you're going to tell it one way, I'm going to tell it another way. We're all going to try to tell what we saw, what we heard, what we knew. But by the time it passes around this room, it's going to change. Somebody's going to put a twist on it or leave something out of it. Or somebody's going to give more information than somebody else did. That doesn't make the gospel untrue. Or to say that it doesn't confirm itself. Those four Gospels are all telling the same story. Amen. Jesus rode in on a colt into the city. Before that week of everything that he would go through. From turning over the tables of the money changers. (laughs) Amen. To, uh, you know, um, being led to be crucified. You know, he rode in on that colt. And uh, how many knows that. If a colt is not trained or tamed, you cannot get on it. You cannot ride it. But Jesus did it. 
He's the only one that fit the bill. Hey, man, out of all messiahs that have claimed to be messiahs, he's the only one that fit the bill and fulfilled Old Testament scripture, caused it to come to pass. Now, let's talk about a little bit about Jesus going into that east gate. Now, there's many names for that gate. Hallelujah. Let me get my glasses here so I can see a little better. Glory to God. There's many names for that gate. Uh, Let me find out where we're at here. Let's see. Got to get ahead here. Oh, here it is. Okay. Praise God. So uh, one of the names of the gate was the Golden Gate. Good name, right? It was also called the Gate Beautiful. And the Hebrew name of the East Gate is Sha'ar Harak Amim. I tried. Amen. That's close I could get. Which that meaning of that word means gate of mercy. Pretty good name, right? Think about it. Gate of mercy. Jesus went through that gate and gave his life and God had mercy on us. Amen. And saved us from hell and death and destruction and promising, uh, gave a way for us to have eternal life. So truly a gate of mercy. Now the Arabs had a name for this gate too. And I will try to pronounce it. It was called Bab al-Zababi, which meaning is the gate of eternal life. Now, the Arabs had it right. Amen. They got it right. That truly is the gate of eternal life for us. Jesus entered in and finished and completed his earthly ministry. Now, think about that for a minute. Jesus rode in on this cult. He's doing all these things. Jesus already knows that, that he's going to die. Isn't that a trip? Already knows how he's going to die. In fact, at one point he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I really don't want to do this. But nevertheless, not my will, Father. Your will be done. He had the right heart. Amen? And because Jesus had the right heart, you can have the right heart today. And serve God, amen, and be a part of the kingdom. If you're today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation for you. You can be saved today, amen, and enter the kingdom of God. But, you know, I've born my past and everything. All that's washed away, forgiven, forgotten, and remembered no more, according to Scripture, amen. It's just a matter of you just have to confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you will be saved. That's why Jesus went through all this. So if folk can be saved, that we don't have to be lost. So it's also referred to as the, uh, the gate of eternal life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. Uh, according to Jewish tradition, the Shekinah divine presence of God could be seen at times looking out of the gate of mercy. Now, I'll bet you dollars to donuts that day Jesus was riding in on that colt I guarantee you God was looking out that gate and saying, look at my son. Look at him. He said, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done, Father. Look at him. Here he comes. He knows what cup he must bear. The worst death a man can die is to know how he's going to die before he dies. That's the worst torment that you could ever have. That's more torment than the beating he took. Is no one ahead of time. You're going to die and how you're going to die. Think about that for a minute. But Jesus bore that cup for us. Glory to God. And that's why we're here today in church and, and acknowledging him on Palm Sunday for, for what he did. 
It was a good thing. He laid down his life for the brethren. Think about that. Oh, isn't that awesome? I don't know if I could have did it. Man, if I was Jesus and God was, God was my father and he gave me that cup to bear, I don't know if I could have do it. I might have said, God, you got to do something else. I can't do that. Come on now. You, some of you might have said the same thing. But Jesus looked at us and he's seen hope for us. Amen. And he saved us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk about some things that Jesus already knew. Jesus already knew that they would find a colt and bring it back to him. Jesus already knew he would successfully ride on an untamed colt. Jesus already knew the people uh, were looking for a ruler, not a savior um, or a king for salvation. They were looking for an earthly ruler. Jesus knew this. That's why he was saddened in his heart and wept. Jesus already knew Judas would betray him and that Peter would deny him. Hallelujah. Now think about that for a minute. You know, people always talk about Peter, you know, and, and, and pick and knock at, at him, you know, for things that he did. But think about it. All the disciples fled. When Jesus was in trouble, they took off. Now, Peter may have denied him, but where was Peter? He was right there as close as he could get to Jesus. He was there. He lied because he was undercover. Amen. He was, he was undercover. He was on a mission. Come on, he was smart. Hey, I want to live. I want to follow Jesus, but I want to live. Amen. So he was undercover. But, you know, people, people make fun of Peter because, you know, because he denied Jesus and because he got out of the boat and began to sink. Well, all the other disciples were there, but he's the only one who got out of the boat. Amen. At least he got out of the boat and tried. Amen. You know, we're making fun of Peter for the wrong reason. Peter, you know, come on now. That same Peter, after all that mess, preached and got over 3,000 folks saved in one afternoon. He got it right. Amen. You and I might be the same way. We might fall down. We might make mistakes, but we're going to get back up and we're going to get it right. Amen. Amen. We're going to let Jesus be Lord of our life. See, the problem with Christians today is they want Jesus on Sunday and Wednesday, but they want to do what they want the rest of the week. But to live is Christ. To live is Jesus. You want to be living and breathing the things of God. You want to be surrounded by the things of God. You know, you are who you're surrounded by. Come on now. If you're going to the club every Friday night, that's what you're surrounded by. What's going to be the fruit? Come on. You might wind up with a child out of wedlock. Who knows what might happen? These days they put date rate. They put drugs in your drink. You know, you might be coming home to somebody else. Come on now. You got to watch who you hang with. You got to watch what you do. Now, I believe Jesus has your back, but you can't go out and be stupid now. Come on. You got to have some common sense. You know, yeah, but I'm young. I want to listen. I was that way, too. I used to believe this lie of the devil. I can just do whatever I want and I'll come to Jesus when I get old. Like that's what old folks do. And I'm telling you, I was driving in my car one day. Uh, I had just 
stuck my hand into a machine. It actually was this hand right here. And I ripped all the skin off this hand from the wrist all the way to the knuckles, right down to the bone. No skin. And so I went to the hospital. And if that wasn't bad enough, they tell me we have to scrub it with a brush to get this dirt out of here. No pain medication. Seven people holding me down while they're scrubbing this thing. You know, and so uh, they give me pain medication after the fact. (laughs) Yeah, great, you know. I could have used that a while ago. And so I'm driving down the road. They shouldn't even have released me. I'm driving down the road high as a kite. And I'm thinking this thing in my mind, I can do whatever I want. And I just, you know, because God's talking to me, dealing with me. Oh, that's something you do when you get old. Then I heard this voice say, oh, yeah, what would happen if you died tonight? And I thought about it. I'm like, I'd go to hell. And then I got mad at the devil for believing that lie. See, I was believing that lie. I can just do whatever I want. And I'll come to Jesus later on. You need a promise tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. See, and that was the beginning of my wake-up call about coming to the Lord. And I realized it don't matter how young you are. You know, you got to put Jesus in your life. Just think about it. If you serve the Lord while you're young, look how much more treasure you're going to have when you get to heaven than the people that just waited until they got old to serve God. They don't have any testimony in that. You know, the young people standing up for the Lord and being an example and living a godly, godly life. You're going to have reward, and you're going to help other people along the way. See, it's important about what we do, what we represent, you know, who we hang with. You know, and it's not about what we want. When you grow up, you realize it's not about what you want. See, parents know that. They have kids. It's not about what you want. You're going to have to get up. If it's a baby, you're going to have to wash it, change that diaper, put some clothes on it. You might have to change it four times in one day. Clothes. Well, the baby's spitting up all over itself and and everything, and sometimes it's shooting out both ends at the same time. (laughs) Hey, man, I remember my, um, one of my nephews, he brought his newborn baby over, and, you know, and he was passing the baby around, and every time somebody picked it up, it spit up all over us, everyone, got every one of us in the room. (laughs) I was like, there can't be any more in there after all that. Jeez, and it was coming to me, you know what I mean? So I kind of held him like out here, you know. <laughs> if he spits, I'm going to turn him sideways, you know. <laughs> Praise God. But anyway, you know, get, get back to the message, you know. You, you know, we got to watch what we do and who we're hanging with. We're, a represent, we're an ambassador for Jesus, you know. And it's not about what I want and what I think. It's time we grow up and be adults, no matter what your age is. You know, there's some people that are 60 years old that need to grow up. They still haven't spiritually matured and grown up. You know, still doing all the same silly things. You know, and not thinking about how this life is going to end. It's going to end. Yes, you're promised eternal life, but this life is going to end. And what we do here determines what we will be and what we will have there in the next life. So that makes this life very important, doesn't it? And what we do here, that makes that very important, doesn't it? Amen. All right, getting back to Jesus. And what he did. Okay. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. 
and do what? Take up his cross. How many times? Daily and follow after me. That's in other words, do what I did. What did Jesus do? Jesus went about doing good. He prayed for the sick. He cleansed the lepers. Amen. He raised the dead. Well, I can't raise nobody from the dead. No, you can't with that attitude. Come on now. You can do everything the Bible says you can do. Actually, I was raised from the dead, believe it or not. No lie. Total truth. I fell 30-something feet off a ladder when I was 19 years old. Somebody walked in the door of the shop, and I was up putting bus ducks in the ceiling. And I turned around to see who came in, and the bottom of the ladder came out. And guess who went straight down the pavement? Me. And uh, the person that came in and saw me fall didn't know CPR. And back then, we didn't have cell phones. You know, in the shop I was in, I don't even think there was a phone in the office, you know. Um, and uh, they said I was dead for five minutes. And this person that saw me was a baby Christian. And guess what they did? All of a sudden, it dawned on them to pray. And they prayed me back into my body. Amen. Prayed me back into my body. Now, the one thing they did wrong is they should have took me to the hospital after that. (laughs) They tried to take me home. And I had a head injury. And I was talking out of my head and saying things that don't even make sense. And, And I thought I had a car accident. I didn't remember falling. And I'm saying, where's my car? And they're like, it's at this shop. And I'm like, well, I don't believe you had a car accident. You're just trying to not get me upset that I wrecked my car. Because I couldn't remember being on the ladder and I couldn't remember falling. My memory was wiped out that day and the day before for six months, totally gone. And it was like somebody flipped the light switch and it came back. Six months later, it came back. But you know, they had to go get my car and bring it and show it to me so I'd shut up. Because I, I just did not believe them that I fell off a ladder. I didn't remember it. Amen. And I had a head injury from that. But you see, God raised me from the dead, and there was still a healing process that had to take place in my body, even though he brought me back. And thank God he brought me back because I was not ready to go. See, now you understand a little bit more about Pastor Keith and how I am and how I live my life because, you know, my life could have not been given back to me. I was given a second chance. You know, when you're given a second chance, you know, I told you about how the Lord was talking to me. That all happened around that same time. God was dealing about me. with You know, you, you know, you, 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 it's not something you do when you're old. You come to the Lord now. He was dealing with me about that before I died. And then he had mercy on me and brought me back, had a baby Christian pray me back into my body. So don't tell me you can't raise somebody from the dead. If a baby Christian can do it, you can do it. Ah, but that's, that happened in the Old Testament times. That's not happening now. Listen, you got to have the right attitude. Look, you know, you got to be for real. Like, I, I was in the hospital a few months ago. Something had happened to me, my blood pressure. I woke up with stroke-level blood pressure. Woke up, you know, your blood pressure is supposed to be the lowest when you wake up in the morning. And mine was stroke level. So, you know, I had went to the doctor that morning, and uh, as soon as I got up, and he said, i got to call an ambulance for you. You have stroke-level blood pressure. I'm like, no, I'm not pay- I am not paying $850 for an ambulance. <laughs> I will call my son and have him come and pick me up and take me to the hospital. <laughs> so that, that's what we did. And we get there, and this is my youngest son. And, you know, he's, he's worried. You know, he's, he's trying not to show it, but he's worried. It just all of a sudden, out of blue, he comes over and lays hands on me and starts praying in tongues. I'm telling you, he shocked the heck out of me. I'm like, you go, boy. 
He starts praying, and then I got a word of knowledge that the next time they check my blood pressure, it would be normal. Guess what? Totally normal. Not only did God heal me in that moment, but he showed my son something. You have power, boy. You can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You know, now I, I, all this, I catch him all the time reading the Bible. I'll see his Bible over here, and then I'll see it over here, and then I'll see, I know he's reading that thing. See, your prayers, sometimes you think your kids ain't listening or they ain't going to follow you, and it, look, it looks bad. Listen, you keep praying and believing, because just like this, something can change. Just like that. And some of the strangest things, you know, sometimes they won't receive from you, but they'll receive from somebody else. And the strangest thing, he was watching this uh, internet show called Alex Jones. Anybody ever hear of that program? Maybe not. He's um, kind of a politician kind of program, you know, and, uh, but he's a believer. And so he'd be quoting scriptures, and my son's like, he'd go check in the Bible, make sure he ain't lying to him. <laughs> he'd be checking him out, you know what I'm saying? He said, this guy's for real. He's, you know, he's... he's talking about scripture and it's fitting everything he's saying with what's going on in the government and what's going on in the world. And so that wound up ministering to him and bringing him closer to the Lord. And here I thought it would be me. (laughs) Don't worry about it if you can't get a hold of those that are close to you. You just continue to pray and believe God. And he'll bring somebody into their life some of the strangest ways sometimes and get a hold of them. Amen. And you know how it's for real, because when there's a pinch and they, and they get serious, you know they're, they're for real. There's something going on inside of them. And they'll jump up and pray for somebody like that, amen, and pray a meal. There's something going on inside of your sons and daughters, your husband, your wife, your distant relatives. You think nothing's happening. There's something going on. You've been praying. Hallelujah, amen. You've been praying for them, and God is moving on their behalf. Just be, can, be, continue to be encouraged concerning That thing. Now, of course, in Scripture, we see Jesus sent the disciples out. Amen. We can see that in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 14, and Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 7 through 11. In these particular uh, passages, we see Jesus sending them out. He trained them, He equipped them, and then He sent them out. We see a foundation of the fivefold ministry. In the church for what? Equipping us so that we go out and do the work of the ministry. Oh, I thought that was the pastor's job. That's why I'm paying him. That's why I put my tithes and offering in the the basket so he can go do it. No, Pastor Gregory and Patricia uh, Gregory's job is to equip you. Your job is to go out and do the work. That's the word of God. Amen. Now, we don't look at it that way. A lot of times people look at it like I come to church to get charged spiritually. I come to hear the word. I come, you know, just twice a week just so I can get through the week. Some people are like that. They're just coming to church to get through the week. But you got to get beyond getting through. Amen. You got to get to the place where you're above these situations, not beneath them, and that you're full of the Lord and you're ready to communicate no matter what situation is before you. Now, I'm not talking about going out and trying to pry doors open and minister to somebody. That's the worst kind of evangelism you can have. That don't work. What you got to do is start your day in prayer. You leave your house believing that God is going to use you some way, somewhere, somehow during this day. 
And nine times out of ten, that person will say something that will open the door for you to minister to them. And they can't get mad about it because they opened the conversation by what they said. That's what I call a godidence, not a coincidence. Hey, man, that's a godidence. That's a God-set-up situation. And when you pray and you go out expecting and believing, that's what's going to happen. I guarantee you, God is going to send somebody to There's so many situations, there's no shortage of needs. There's plenty of needs out here that God needs people to go. I'll tell you, you can be driving down the road. I was driving down the road one day, minding my own business, and God tells me to go such and such a hospital, such and such a room. And he didn't tell me which bed. And I'm thinking, God, why didn't you tell me which bed? Now, I ain't going to know who to minister to when I get there, you know. So I obeyed him. and I went there, and there was only one bed in the room. Easy situation. <laughs> and so there was a woman there with tubes coming out of her, and she looked bad. And the Lord told me to tell her, you will live and not die. This too shall pass. And tears began to stream out of the corners of her eyes. And she's, she couldn't talk, but she's nodding her head and her eyes were as big as saucers. And she's let me know, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. This is God. Yeah, I know I'm going to live. And that was a word that she needed. And I told a stranger, I didn't know her from Adam or Eve. Amen. And God sent me to do that. See, there's no shortage of needs. If you're willing to do what God is going to use you. Glory to God. One time I was in a nursing home. We had a nursing home ministry with the church that I was at. And um, I was elected for that job. Um, really, really not out of choice. Nobody would do it. Amen. And so I was the one, you know, I said, Lord, I'm going to wait 30 days. And if nobody does it, I'm going to do it. I'm not trying to fill a position, but. You know, people in the nursing home need to be ministered to. Some of them are knocking at death's door. Come on now, that's important, right? And so I'm going to this nursing home ministry, and I'm going down this hallway, and this is one woman. I would go in her room every week, and I'd walk in there, and she'd be sitting in the corner in her chair playing with her rosary beads, and I invite her to the meeting. No, I'm Catholic. No, I'm Catholic. No, I'm Catholic. I would get that every week. So I came to the point where I'm not going to go in there anymore. So I go in the hallway, and I'm passing this room, and the Lord says, no, back there. I'm like, God, you don't understand. She's Catholic. (laughs) She's not coming. So I go, and I turn around, and I go back to the room, and she's in the room, and she's in a coma. And I'm like, perfect opportunity to pray. Amen. And I pray she will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. She'll be saved, filled with the spirit of God. Devil, you can't have her. I claim her for the kingdom of God right now. Came back a week later. She's still in a coma. It didn't bother me. Pray again. Amen. Come back the third week. She's standing at the door. Grabs me by the arm like this and said, I seen demons. I want to go to your meeting. (laughs) She's seen hell. God delivered her from hell through my prayer. Spared her. Then she wanted to come to church all of a sudden after that. You couldn't keep her out. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. You couldn't keep her out. Amen. Now, I remember that nursing home ministry. When I started, there was only about four or five people who had come. By the time the Lord moved me from that assignment, there was over 50 wheelchairs in that room. You couldn't get any more people in there. Because those people realized, hey, something's happening down there in that cafeteria on Sunday. I'm going to go down there and get me some of that. Amen. Praise God. See, God wants to use you. There are so many opportunities and ways for you to be a blessing. 
You know, you just got to start praying and hearing from God and stepping out. And then your blessings in your life will come to a greater level when you do that. When you prefer your brother over yourself like that, you're more concerned about other people's needs than your own. God will take care of your needs. You'll wind up having more than if you would have struggled and, and scraped and worked hard to try to get it. God will give it to you with ease. Because you're about his business, he'll take care of your business. Amen. I've never lacked. As you can tell, I've never missed a meal. I've never lacked. Amen. God's always taken care of me. I've always had a roof over my head, money in my pocket, all my needs met. Amen. There's been times I was in between jobs. I lacked nothing at all. God took care of me. Why? Here's I've been about my father's business. Now, I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, and I don't always get it right. Amen. God's had to correct me sometimes. I mean, God will correct you. Oh, you really serving God, he'll correct you at times. Yeah, he's a God of love, he's a, but he's a God of instruction, and he's a God of correction. I've got my butt whooped a few times. Amen. Back years ago when, uh, we're running out of time, so I'll wind this up. But, but back years ago when uh, the Lord told me to go on the radio, it wasn't my idea. I actually had just prayed that somebody would fill that spot because a friend of mine used to be on the radio. In fact, he was the person that ordained me, Pastor Charles Kaiser. He used to be on the radio praying for people at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 to 3 in the morning, five days a week. And he got sick and was in the hospital, had heart trouble, couldn't do it anymore. So there was nobody on the air for like three months. I'm like, God, it ain't your will that nobody be ministering to these people. So I prayed that he would raise somebody up. Well, little did I know I was going to get stuck with the job. You better watch what you pray for. You know, I stuck my nose in and God said, oh, so you're going to stick your nose in my business here. So now you're going to do it. Hey, man, I'm serious. I'm not joking. I'm serious. He had me do it. And I didn't want to do it. I had never done it and was, really wasn't prepared. God had to do something in me for it to happen. I show up at the radio station. I figure I'm probably going to pray. You know, you got some kind of idea that something like that's going to happen. I sit down in that chair, and they flip the switch and put me on the radio, and I literally felt a coat being placed on me. I felt the weight of a coat. All 24 phone lines lit up. In the whole five years I did it, it was just like that. All them phone lines were lit up. I would pray for people for an hour on the air, two hours off the air. <laughs> Still praying for people, calling in. Don't tell me there's no needs out there. You just need to be willing to do something. Take the step. Amen. Listen, you just need to start going in hospitals and clearing them things out. Just walk in a room. Do you need prayer today? They don't know who you are. They probably think you work for the hospital. Amen. They're going to let you pray for them. They're sick. Come on. You want to minister, you're going to make a lot of friends, amen? When you get to heaven, you're going to have a lot of friends just by doing stuff. Oh, but that's crazy. Well, you go on and say that and do nothing and have nothing when you get to heaven. Amen. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have something. Not because I'm anything, because he's everything. And he's living and working in me. Right now, as I'm talking to you, the spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. Because this is an hour where the harvest truly is ripe and the laborers are few. And God is looking for those few to be faithful and go out and raise up others like yourself and do what God has told you to do in his word. Come on now, we need to reap this harvest. Jesus is coming. Now, I don't want to scare you or anything. And I don't want to sound like one of these people that, you know, I'm prophetically proclaiming something, you know, and, 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 uh, and I'm making it up. 
But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you everything about it, but I'm going to tell you something happened to me, and I know we're in the end days. And I'm not going to tell you what year and what month and, and none of that, because I don't know that. But I know we're in the end days. Something happened to me where the Lord allowed me to see something that has showed up in this time right now. So what does that tell you? We are very close to the coming of the Lord. Well, what could it be? A year from now? Three years? Five years? I don't know. I just know it's close. I know it's going to be your lifetime. I can 100% guarantee you it's going to be in your lifetime unless you die tomorrow. I mean, it's going to be in your lifetime. Amen. It's coming soon. Get ready. This is the greatest time that ever a man or a woman could have lived right now, this time. This is an exciting time where the Lord's going to come back for his church and snatch us up out of here. You know, the devil thinks he's going to do something with you. That's what's going on. But God says, no, it's not going to happen. Going to snatch us up out of here. And we're going to be with the Lord for seven years, and then we're going to come back and reign on the earth for a thousand years with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then eventually eternity reign with the Lord. Scripture says God will bring that holy city down and dwell with man for eternity. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. This life is but a moment. Don't waste it. (laughs) Use it to the glory of God. Amen. I see we're out of time. At this time, I want to ask everyone to stand, if you would, please. I want to give a few invitations. And if any of these invitations fit you, don't worry about who's sitting next to you, standing next to you, what somebody's going to think in this room. It don't matter what anybody thinks in this room. What matters is what God thinks and you honoring and respecting what he's speaking to your life in this moment. I believe there are people in this room that need to rededicate their life back to the Lord. First John 1, 9 tells